0: For a sweet spirit in our church. Praise the Lord for it. And as a matter of fact, when we come to Romans chapter number 14, the Apostle Paul was working with the church at Rome and writing about some things that was producing a not-so-sweet spirit, and it was the subject of doubtful disputations. If you didn't, if you've not heard the message I preached last week, I'm not promoting myself, I'm promoting God's Word. You ought to take a minute and listen to the message on doubtful disputations. It is so easy for us as Christian people to uh, find things to feud over and find things to divide over. And the devil loves it. And he's always stoking and blowing on that fire because he wants us to fuss and fight. And he wants to break up the harmony and the unity that God has designed for the church. And when we come to... Romans chapter 14 the subject matter remains the same there's doubtful disputations things that they're fighting over that are gray matters and uh, some folks think that you shouldn't eat things that are not kosher that's the way we would say it today uh, there's some folks thinking that it's okay to eat pork and others thinking it wasn't it was okay to eat things that have been killed in an unused, in a different way than was allowed by the old testament law and Others did not. There was a big fuss, and the Apostle Paul was making it plain that really and truly that is not an issue to be concerned with in this New Testament day. But it's definitely not something that we should fight and fuss and feud over and cause discord in the church, the matter of eating. And then there was the fuss about days. Uh, there's a lot of New Testament Christians that were Uh, determined that the best time to worship and meet was on Sunday, the first day of the week. I mean, their argument would have been the same, that we would say the reason why we meet on Sunday it was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. It's the first day of the week, yada, yada, yada. But they were fighting because some folks said, we have to keep the Sabbath and keep it holy. And Paul said, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not a day that matters. Let's not be fighting and feuding over these doubtful disputations. And the subject matter continues and the Lord gives us some more help on dealing with these things and keeping the peace. And so tonight's message is just titled this, Doubtful Disputations Part 2. We'll keep reading and working through this text, verse number 8 of Romans chapter number 14. The Bible says, For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ both died... And rose and revived, that he might be Lord, both of the dead and living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall on his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that is in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of them. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. And things wherewith one may edify another. For meat, for meat, destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure. But it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Doubtful Disputations, part two. Here's some things I want to share with you, four of them. Number one, we should remember eternity. Number two, we should not judge and despise. Number three, we should walk charitably. And number four, we should edify one another. Let's just start here with the first one. Remember eternity. Now when we're dealing with these doubtful disputations, things like the day of the week or whether or not you eat bacon, things that are uh things that make uh are gray matters that are often preferential, things that often divide us. And I gave a list of things that I dealt with through the years and I could spend a whole evening doing that. But I want to be careful that I don't make fun of people who have convictions because God's given us the right to have convictions. And you can have your own conviction, and you, can have, you have to answer to God for your own conscience. And so I don't want to make fun of people. I don't want to poke fun of people who don't look or act like me because there's no doubt lots of things that you could poke and look and make fun of me for. I'm aware of that, and that's fine. But I have to answer to God and I have to be accountable to God for my conscience and how God works in my heart. And so something that the Apostle Paul wants to remind us of when we're dealing with these things like days of the week or preferences in worship and preferences in styles and preferences in this and clothing, attire, preferences in whatever, these doubtful disputations, he says, I want to remind you of something. That there is a subject that is of utmost importance. Verse number 8. Whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. He's talking about being alive and being dead in verse number 9. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived. Why did Jesus die, rise, and revive? The Bible says that he might be Lord, both of the dead and the living. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He rose again from the dead and he ascended into heaven so that we could have everlasting life, so that we could have forgiveness of sin. He, Paul just wants to make sure, Rome, church at Rome, make sure you don't forget to keep the main thing the main thing. Jesus died for sinners. Remember eternity. Have you ever asked yourself this question? If you haven't, you probably about to start. You start to get huffy and puffy about something. Maybe something's not gone just exactly the way you wanted it to. Maybe something didn't look exactly the way you thought it ought to look. Maybe something didn't happen the way you have always had it happen in your church experience or your religious experience or whatever you want to call it. And you start to get a little huffy and puffy. Let me help you with a question. Does this matter for eternity? Does this matter for eternity? I'll tell you, there's been a lot of times that I've been ready to call somebody's eyeballs out. And the Lord's brought that question around, does this matter for eternity? And I'm on my way to set the record straight to fix something. (laughs) Have you ever started to fix something that you realize, really, I'm not fixing anything. I'm just going in there like a bear and tearing everything up. Been A lot of times I've been ready to fix something. And the Lord smote my heart with this question. Does it matter for eternity? Is this something that matters for eternity? Is this of that great of importance? A lot of the times when you get upset about a little something here or there. And you remember eternity. It's not so big after all. And so the Apostle Paul says, when you're dealing with these doubtful disputations, he says, remember eternity. Remember, Jesus died and is Lord over death and life. He's the Lord of your life. He's the Lord of your eternity. Does this matter for eternity? Remember eternity. When you're dealing with things that may have some gray matter, remember eternity. Number two. This is a re- repeated from earlier in this chapter, but it's important we pay close attention because it's uh, repeated. The Bible says in verse 10, but why dost thou judge thy brother? He says, why do you judge your brother? Why dost thou set at naught thy brother? The word judge thy brother. We talked last week about this word judge, and we are bad to be judgmental. And the Bible says, why do you set at naught your brother? That word naught is the exact same word as despise. Do you remember we talked about our tendency? We have our preferences. We have our ideas. We have the way we've always done things, or the way we do things, or the way the things that we've arrived to in our worship styles, in our the things we do. Now, just a reminder, if you're just tuning in, in chapter number 13, God sets some things in order that are non-negotiable. Let me share those with you. These are things that, we're not to be passive in the fact that we don't stand for truth. As a matter of fact, the opposite is true. We just need to know to stand for the right things and stand for what is actually truth and not preference. In chapter 13, he says that we should love one another in verse 8. In verse 9, he says, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt love thy neighbors, thyself. In verse 13, he says, let us walk honestly, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Now, these are things that are non-negotiable. These are the things that the pastor needs to pound the pulpit and say, thus saith the Lord. But there are other things, points of... Minor preference that the Bible calls doubtful disputations that we shouldn't fight over. If you want to do something that way, then do it. If you want pink carpet in your church, that's fine. I don't, but that's fine. I had a lady years ago, we were getting ready to re- renovate the uh, auditorium at Boy Springs Baptist Church, and of course, there were a group of people who loved it exactly the way it was. A group of people who didn't love it exactly the way it was. And it was one of those touchy subjects, and I was just trying to really ease along because I really knew it was time, about time to, to uh, renovate. And one of my dear Puerto Rican ladies spoke up in the business meeting. And I'm just a child. I'm 28 years old. And she was sweet as sugar, but she looked at me and she said, Pastor, what are we going to do about the pink? (laughs) Uh, I don't particularly want pink, and I'm sure there was a time when pink was okay. But we're not going to fight over it. And if some church picks pink, you know, I'm not going to preach a message on why I don't think we should have pink carpet in Baptist churches because that's not worth my time and effort. But I've also met people, and I'm not going to make fun of them. I promise I'm not making fun of them because people get so deceived about certain things. I know folks who believe that they can preach a message on why a pastor should always wear a white shirt when he preaches. I'm not wearing this white shirt because I feel like I have to. I'm wearing this white shirt because I thought I want to wear this white shirt on Friday. And if I just wear it tonight for a few minutes and iron it now, I won't have to iron another one for Friday. That's why I'm doing it. <laughs> but there are some folks that are dead serious that you can't mount a pulpit without on a white shirt. And then there are some folks who believe you can't mount a pulpit without a white shirt and a tie. And I'll just tell you something right now. John the Baptist had a problem with you. <laughs> but in all sincerity, you know, we're just not going to fight about that. And what we're tempted to do, what we're tempted to do is if somebody, we have these things that are negotiable. that their preference. And what we're tempted to do, if someone is... To the right of us. Like they're a little more staunch. Like they're wearing their shirt. Other than a reason. That they just don't want to have to iron another one next week. But they believe you have to wear a white one. The, we're tempted. If somebody chooses a path that's harder. Or bright of us. You know what we do? We despise them. Who they think they are. They think they're better than me. And if someone takes a path. Or makes a decision that is. Left of us or maybe looser than ours. You know what we're about to do? We're about to look down our nose and judge them. I want to ask you, how many of you in your Christian life can testify that you have been guilty of one or both of those things? Would you just raise your hand? Mine's raised. Me too. Let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says, don't do that. Don't do that. Now look, there may be folks that are left of you and they have good, you have good reason and good cause and even biblical standing to say what they're doing is wrong. But let me tell you something. Your attitude with dealing with that and helping that, and, or attempting to correct or help that person but ultimately judge that person is probably not going to help. And your attitude is the most important aspect And variable in this equation. You see we get this judgmental attitude. Or we get this attitude that is despised. And we set them at naught. We despise the people who are the other direction. That attitude is something that prevents us from helping people. It's the attitude that prevents us from having the power and blessing of God. It's the attitude that prevents us from being most effective in the work and the place that God's called us to. And so God says, don't do that. Verse 10, why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. He says, I don't know why you do that. Why do you do that? It doesn't make any sense to do that. Why would you waste your time? Who do you think you are? Despising the person of the right, judging the person of the left. Who do you think you are? Who made you God for the day? You see, he's asking, why do you do that? Why would you do that? It doesn't make sense for you to do that. And he says, the reason why it doesn't make sense for you to do that, he says, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. He says, every Christian will be judged for their deeds. You're not God. You're not God. Keep the right spirit. He says, don't judge and despise people. Verse number 11, he keeps this this same thought going. He says, for it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. He says, they are going to answer to God and they are going to answer to God. And don't forget, you are going to answer to God. So you better keep your attitude right and your spirit straight and keep living your Christian life in the spirit of Christ. Verse number 12. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. You know what we're tempted to do? We're tempted to get on our high horse and feel like somehow we've arrived and we cast judgment on everybody around us who doesn't look like us, talk like us, smell like us, meet like us, do like us. And before you know it, even if we're right, even if we're doing the right things, we have the wrong attitude and the wrong spirit, and we're puffed up with pride. And guess what? God can't bless that. I'm not asking anyone to lower their standards. I'm not asking anybody to lean left or right. I'm just asking everybody, where you are in your Christian life, do not judge and despise Keep the right spirit. For one, it's very free. Some people feel like they are like the Jesus police. You ever been around a Jesus police officer? <laughs> I've met several. I've met several. It's not attractive. As a matter of fact, most of the time, it ends up being very appalling, especially to... Baby Christians, it's scary. It's not good. And so Paul says in verse twelve. Listen, remember, every one of us—I love that word "us." The Apostle Paul said, "Every one of us shall give account of himself to God." You know, we need to give people a little space. We need to give people a room to develop a personal relationship with Jesus and personal convictions. It works. Let me tell you something. If you'll let Jesus fill up somebody's inside, He'll change their outside and conform their outside to look the way He wants it to look. And it won't be sinful, it won't be inappropriate. It will be uniquely and beautifully what God designed that person to be. God's not in the business of making cookie cutters. Look at our faces. For one, I look at our face and I think, my land's God has a sense of humor. Number two, I look at our face and I say, wow, God has so uniquely and beautifully fashioned us all. And to think somehow we can make everybody look the same is foolish. That's man's religion. And that's not the freeing spirit of the person of Jesus Christ and the faith that we find in his Bible. And some people say to let people be themselves is weakness. I say it's weakness to have no faith to believe that God can use his word to change somebody's outside through their inside. If we spend all of our time trying to fix people's outsides to neglect their insides, all we have is a group of people who conform to some image that we've dreamed up and their children are bitter and die and go to hell because the preacher in the church was too proud to let God or too faithless to let God do his work. Doubtful disputations. Remember eternity. Number two, do not judge and despise. Number three, Walk charitably. Look at what the Bible says in verse 13. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore. But judge this rather. That no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. So what the Apostle Paul does, he says, now look. What you're tempted to do is you're tempted to get in your position and despise to the right and judge to the left. He says, whoa. You remember something, we're all of us are going to answer to God for ourselves. He says, don't you look to the right or the left? He says, you look right in your own heart, and you ask God to help you not to be a stumbling block to the people around you. Now, I've seen folks use this this principle of stumbling block to enforce some pretty rigid rules that I disagree with. But I'm so certain that this idea of a stumbling block is so important. We've got to be careful that we don't let our spirit be a stumbling block to folks. Here in verse 16, the Bible says, Let not then your good be evil spoken of. Now, it's good for you to let God work in your heart and change your outside. That's good. But you can do what's good by you and have the wrong attitude about it, and your good will be evil spoken of. We gotta be careful. We gotta watch our attitudes, our spirits about the the matter. The Bible says in verse number thirteen that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. He says you need to judge yourself that what you're doing and what you're how you're acting in your liberty is not hurting other people. You can be mean spirited about your convictions and hurt other folks and you're a stumbling block. The Bible says, verse 14, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there's nothing unclean of itself. And he's talking specifically about the the battle that's going on in the church at Rome. He says, look, it's not unclean to eat pork. Do you remember Peter in the book of Acts? Peter falls asleep and God gives him a vision. And in the vision, there's a net that Descends from heaven. In that net, descending from heaven, there's all kinds of different animals. They're unclean. There's pigs and other things that the Old Testament Jews were prohibited to eat. And God says to Peter, rise and eat. And Peter says, I can't. It's unclean. I've never had anything that's unclean. God says, what I've blessed is not unclean. It's not unclean. And God was using this vision, this image to present to Peter the fact that the gospel was going to be going beyond the Jews to the Gentiles. And he had not only come to save the Jews, but also the whole world. And so Paul says, now I've determined, I understand, and I learned it from Jesus that there's no unclean meat like like we've practiced for all these years now. It's just not something that we have to worry about. And I'm not, and I'm, there's no clean or unclean or days. And earlier he'd said, you know, if you in faith eat, God will bless it. If you in faith set aside one day, God will bless If you in faith set aside all the days, God will bless it. He says, I'm determined, I know. Persuaded by the Lord Jesus, there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him is unclean. If you've decided that you don't want to, in Jesus' name, you don't want to eat that or do that, he said, that's fine. Give those people some slack. Verse 15, but if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. In verse 50, he said, look, here's what you need to do. You need to offer some deference to people. You need to offer some grace to people. He said, now, look, if somebody to your right or to your left that's a weaker brethren is going to be offended by your meat, then you need to be the kind of person who says, you know what? When I'm around them, I'm not going to do that. I'm I'm going to care enough about somebody else on either side of my, of my aisle to just be kind about it. You know what are tempted to do? We want to get in a fight with this person. Or we want to get in a fight with this person. We want to fuss with this person. The truth of the matter is, God expects us to search our own hearts and not be a stumbling block. There's no sense in fighting. You know what the devil's done? He loves it too. The devil's got a lot of Christian people and instead of doing their thing and winning the lost and going out on the highways and hedges and compelling them to come in and minding their own business and doing what God's given them to do in their location, you know what they've done? There's Christians who've circled the wagons and they've made one big circle and all they know to do is shoot at each other. I know pastors who dedicate Every day of their life, getting online and fighting with people, Christian people who disagree with them about matters of minuscule concern. I rarely ever read anything, but anytime I do read some of the fusses and fights that are going on with this group of people, the first thing I think of is, how in the world do they have time to sit and do this all day? And then I'm reminded, they must not be pastoring their churches. They must not be in the community. They must not be, because they just won't fight. Now, the third point that I want to bring to your attention is this. Walk charitably. The word charity in the Bible is love. Let me tell you something. If you type something that doesn't have the spirit of love, delete it. If you're tempted to say something that doesn't have the spirit of love, Don't say it. Keep your mouth shut. And the Apostle Paul said, look, we're all different. We all do things differently. He said, but I want you to remember something. You need to walk charitably. And if your meat offends your brother, then by all means, be willing to do what is necessary to keep offending him. Keep from offending him. Don't stand your ground and leave everybody bleeding around you. We're tempted to do that, aren't we? He says, Look, if you have to exercise your liberty somewhere else, then do it. Don't hurt somebody just because you're full of pride. Walk charitably. In light of doubtful disputations, what do we to do? Remember eternity. Do not judge and despise. Walk charitably. Finally, number four, edify one another. There's a lot more to it than just edify one another. But that's the main point of these next few verses. The Bible says in verse 17, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. You know what he's saying? He says, look, we've made a big fuss about what we're eating and drinking. We've made a big fuss about these doubtful disputations." He says, but really and truly, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. The kingdom of God is not these secondary issues that are so consuming. He says, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace. Those are two big words, aren't they? Two important subjects. Righteousness and peace. He says, I've already talked to you about the righteousness part. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. You remember in chapter number 13? Some non-negotiables. He said, righteousness, it's non-negotiable. The kingdom of heaven is not meat and drink. The kingdom of God is not carpet and clothes. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. The kingdom of God is righteousness and peace. Well, I've met a lot of people Man, may now fight for righteousness. But I ain't Since any peace in a while matter of fact I promised the Lord a long time ago that I'd never with His help I'd never get up behind any pulpit anywhere and preach anything that I was mad about because I've met a lot of mad preaching it made a lot of uh, tracks I'm telling you I get up here real mad and heated and I can get some people to follow me in my anger. But all I would to be doing is having them follow me in my anger. But I want, I, want, I want you to follow Jesus. I want you to follow the Spirit of Christ. I want you to follow the Word of God. And I want you to remind you, of, and I want to be reminded right now that, look, no matter these doubtful disputations, that we really need righteousness. Yes! And peace. Yes. You know what? You can have both. It's wonderful. Walk charitably. Edify one another. The Bible says in verse number oh, verse number 17, I don't want to leave this out. But the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy. Boy, I like that word too. Joy in the Holy Ghost. He says, he says you have joy when you have the Holy Spirit. When you're aware of the Holy Spirit. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Verse 18. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. He says when you're doing these things, you are approved, acceptable to God and approved of men. Verse 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. What do we should follow after? The things which make for peace. Now, look, there are times to deal with things that are secondary. I met one of our boys going off to college today and had a great talk with him. He was wonderful. And i prepared him for some things. I actually prepared him for some doubtful disputations that no doubt he's going to face because every Bible college student on the planet thinks they know everything. Not all of them, but some of them do. And I encouraged him. I said, Look, follow after peace. Just follow after peace. Don't follow after these things that make everybody mad that people have been fighting about forever. Follow after peace. He says, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. And I'm going to stop there with that word edify another. Edify another. I like this platform. I like the columns. I like the globe. I like this. You could look at this and say, I love this edifice. I think it's really nice. I love this edifice. I like this this building. I like this. This edifice. It's a, synonymous with building. I like this edifice. And so the Bible says that something we're to do with other people is to edify. The, the things that we're to... Go after are things that promote peace and edifying one another. What's that mean? That means we are simply supposed to be living our lives trying to build other people up. I'm supposed to be building you up. You're supposed to be building me up. We're not supposed to be building each other up to foolishness or wrongdoing. We're we're building each other up in righteousness, right? In righteousness and peace. We're to edify. And God said, make sure. Hey, preacher, make sure that you're preaching righteousness and peace and you are edifying the saints. And he says, Christian people, make sure you're following after righteousness and peace and edifying others. He says, if you do, that will be great. Verse 20, I like this little phrase. For meat, destroy not the work of God. And you hear that? Listen. For meat, do not destroy the work of God. You could say it like this. Do not destroy the work of God for meat. Don't destroy the work of God for your little pet peeve. Do not destroy destroy the work of God for your little preference. Do not destroy the word of God for something that is not clearly taught in the word of God that you've just decided is your little thing and you despise and judge others for. He says, don't destroy the work of God for meat. Remember eternity. Don't judge and despise. Walk charitably and edify one another. It's good. It's good. It's good. We do the work of God, God's way, God's spirit. We need to be careful about those doubtful disputations. May the Lord help us.